0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, August twelfth, and we're talking tech and the recent brain drain at Alphabet. I'm your host Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com senior technology specialist Daniel Sparks. Daniel, how's it going?
1: Good. Thanks for having
0: me on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Um, so, Daniel, in the flurry of tech earnings releases that we covered over the last couple of weeks, we had Netflix, we had Apple, we had Facebook. Uh, We kind of glossed over what was going on over at Alphabet, and admittedly, I was going to leave it that way uh, up until a couple of relatively high-profile departures from some of the subsidiaries within Alphabet. I think it kind of warranted a check-in on what's going on with their business and um, just kind of how things are looking over there.
1: Yeah, Chris Chris Ermsen, um, and then uh, Bill Harris, so yeah, this will be interesting to Discuss the, both two important executives of the company.
0: So, uh, yeah, earlier this week in a post on Medium, Chris Ermson, who is the director of Google's self driving car project, announced that he was leaving the project uh, and the company. And so, in that post, he said, After leading our cars through the human equivalent of 150 years of driving and helping our project make the leap from pure research to developing a product that we hope someday anyone can be able to use, I'm ready for a fresh, fresh challenge. He went on to say, If I can find another project that turns into an obsession and becomes something more, I will consider myself twice lucky. Uh, If you're interested in reading the whole post, the title is The View from the Front Seat of the Google Self Driving Car, a New Chapter. And that's over on Medium. Um, This was pretty surprising to me. I mean, this is someone that was involved in the self driving car project pretty much from day one at Google. And his prior research was in autonomous driving. He was, you know, in the early uh, DARPA um, competitions for these, you know, let's try to get something out there self-driving car projects that eventually materialized into what Google's working on now, but that has kind of been his life for the last decade and um he's basically running a team that he's been working with for a very long time there. So, I was kind of shocked by this news.
1: Yeah, and you have to wonder if it has something to do with the balance that Google takes on with uh, its self-driving cars between uh, operating as okay, this is the technology, uh, and we're going to stick with developing the technology and outsourcing it to other businesses, um, or if they're you know thinking more toward the line, maybe not talking about it publicly, but uh, doing something internally as a business uh, with this technology. Maybe that this has something to do with. Balancing between uh, those lines, whether they're going to outsource technology or do something internally. uh, You know, they recently transitioned to Alphabet. uh, So, yeah, it makes you wonder why he's leaving and what could have caused that.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things here is as much as I've been paying attention, at least, pretty much everything I've heard about Google's self driving car project has come from Ermsson himself. You know, He's been the one providing updates, he's been the one offering up the vision on what's going on there. I was at South by Southwest earlier this year and saw him speak, he was one of the keynotes, and he talked about this idea of, we want to create the tech that powers this and mm-hmm. you know allows for these types of systems to be mainstream. We're not interested in manufacturing cars ourselves, we're going to partner up with some of the legacy auto manufacturers to make that happen. Um, that has been the company line for quite some time now and you know you see last year the company hired John Krafcik, who is former president and CEO of uh, Hyundai America and they brought him on to be the chief of the car project so kind of more of a business role uh, with uh, Ermson leading the tech side of things and I think part of the plan there was to spin out this effort that they're working on in self-driving cars into some sort of standalone business whether it's auto manufacturing whether it's Providing this tech, maybe licensing it out to the auto manufacturers, but you wonder if that move might have caused some ripples within the development of the project, and and might have caused Ermson to want to go elsewhere.
1: Yeah, another area I speculate about Ermsen is this is a time where, as the technology is developing and maturing, uh, his confidence in the technology itself has grown, so it makes you wonder if if he's thinking. Um, okay, this is a bigger deal than I thought. Uh, maybe, maybe he wants to go somewhere where uh, someone's going to take it more seriously. But as we were talking to before the show, you know, Google is definitely a leader in this space. So you know, where else you're going to go? You, you hear Apple doing these things. Uh, maybe there. But um, you know, as this technology becomes safer, he's realizing this could save millions of lives in the future. And you know, maybe he's just rethinking. Uh, Now that he has a higher confidence, maybe it's helping him think differently about the trajectory for where he wants to go in his career.
0: Yeah, and he is not the only person to leave from the self-driving car project at Google. Earlier this year, a couple of employees, one of them uh, Anthony Lewandowski, who um, was an engineer on that project, and Lior Ron, who is involved in the Google Maps project, they both left to uh, to found a self-driving truck startup. Uh, auto. And so you are seeing, I mean, it's, it's natural for there to be talent leaving. It's just kind of surprising when it's someone as high profile as Chris Ermson. I think he's one of the most recognizable people in the self driving auto space. Yeah, I definitely agree. I will say to quell some of the speculation here, it's it's not totally unheard of. You know, the person that originally headed the Google self driving car project, Sebastian Thurn, uh, he left in 2014, stepped down from his post, and basically handed the keys to the castle over to Ermsen. He went on to focus on Udacity, which is a vocational learning platform. So, you know, some of these guys they just get tired of working on something and they want to chase something else. You know, they get it to 85 percent or something like that, and then they're ready to hand it off and kind of face a new challenge. That might be the case here, but uh, it seems bizarre to me, just given how focused Ermsen has been, kind of his entire public career, at least on the self-driving car technology.
1: Yeah, I mean it you have to wonder if it's a loss for Google at this point um, and there have been some comments as as uh, major media outlets have interviewed some of his peers uh, the saying it is a loss for Google and you know how Google's going to manage this from here is is a you know it, it's something we're going to have to see.
0: Yeah, and Armson is not the only exec to head out recently. Uh, To follow that, earlier this week we found out Bill Maris, who is the founder and chief of Google Ventures, which is kind of an early stage investment arm of Alphabet, uh, will be leaving the firm and its parent Alphabet. And so this this is a segment that Google uh, of Alphabet that we don't really discuss all that often. Um, But just to give you some context in terms of what they're working with, in 2015 they managed over 2.4 billion, and under Maris the firm made early investments in the likes of Uber. Jet.com, Nest, and Slack, just to name a few. So, um, this is clearly someone that was you know, pretty influential in that part of their business. Um, as for reasons for why he left, in an interview with Recode, Maris said, for me, uh, it's mission accomplished for me. Eight years is longer than I thought I would spend. So, on his end, it sounds like he kind of had a defined time frame. He wants to spend time with his kids and his family. And um, there might be a new challenge out there, but there, I don't know that he's going to be going over to something competing or that there was an issue of um, kind of different vision there, uh, at least in this case.
1: Yeah, Bill Maris, uh, some other executives, you know, Tony, Tony Fidel leaving uh, the, the Nest hardware. Uh, engineer. Um, I think that that is particularly interesting. Uh, just because you know he he's had a history at Apple before. He switches over to Google. Um, and that was a big deal. You know, bringing in Nest because that was kind of their, uh, I guess their foray into the Internet of Things area um, and to see him leave. And you know, among these other executives, it just makes you really th- think about, hey, what's going on here with uh, these executives leaving? And especially like we said, Uh, Right after this alphabet restructure.
0: Yeah, and with Fidel, that was something that happened in early June, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, That followed what was kind of a uh, culture clash issue, might be the best way to describe it. But um, there was, it seemed like quite an issue there. Um, There was a very public feud with uh, Greg Duffy, who is the CEO of Dropcam, which is a company that Nest acquired. And you talked about this a little bit before, but uh, Fidel has this Apple background, and it's kind of that like obsessive, um, all about the product, micromanaged Steve Jobs type approach to things. And that is not really the Google way of doing things. I think that's kind of like a softer type of management style that most people expect at Google. And I think that led to a lot of the problems that um, that happened under Fidel's tenure. Uh, so, you know, you look at this, we have Urmson, we have Maris, and we have Fidel in a matter of a couple months. Um, those are big names in terms of leading these projects, but how do these projects fit into Google's financials overall? what What does the other bet segment look like for them?
1: so yeah, this this does uh, bring us back to kind of looking at alphabet as a company uh, while they did restructure to emphasize these other areas that we're talking about right now, uh, so they could they could say, hey, we're an advertising business, but we also, do these other things, we're gonna give these areas uh, you know some more transparency but at the end of the day Google is an advertising company and uh, you look at their other bets segment and that's where these things fall into, that's where Nest falls into, that's where uh, Google Ventures falls into and this is a very tiny segment uh, as a portion of the company's total revenue. Um, The revenue in the company's most recent quarter coming from other bets was 185 million, and Google's Alphabet's total revenue is over 20 billion dollars. So um, this this is a very small segment. And then you look at their the operating profits coming from the segment. Well, it's not operating profits. Actually, uh, a huge giant loss uh, approaching 1 billion dollars. Actually, uh, up from last year's loss in the segment. So at the end of the day, these are really interesting segments, and they are. Uh, part of Alphabet's strategy to focus on moonshots, but uh, at, at the end of the day, these are segments that uh, aren't material to investors today. Uh, maybe as a whole they are, but individually, uh, as each subsegment within other
0: bets, they're not material, materially uh, impactful to the business. Yeah, and you touched on the, the transition from Google to the holding company Alphabet approach. I've seen some outlets try to tie some of these departures to that transition. And I think it's kind of worth touching on that as a topic. When we broke down Google restructuring, that was about a year ago on Industry Focus, we hit on three major reasons for this move. One of them was autonomy. And so the idea being with this new structure, Google can give operating divisions a little bit more leeway in making their own decisions. And it, that might allow some of those businesses to be a little bit more nimble. Uh, Another one was talent retention, and the idea was that they can elevate high performers to executive level um, standing within these sub-companies. And the last one was transparency, and the idea that this holding company structure can give financial transparency, you break out the ad revenue side of their business from all these other bets, you get a little bit more insight on the investor side uh, as to what's going on, where money's going. And, of course, with those benefits comes uh, more focused financial scrutiny, and I, I think a little bit of an initiative to reining costs on some of these other bets. We've seen that come up a couple of times in the conference calls lately. So, it's a tempting narrative to say that the structure change to this holding company might be causing some of these departures, but I think it's worth noting, Google Ventures has been more or less operating independently for quite some time. that They haven't really been tied into um, the, the ad side and the internet property side of the business operationally. They've, they've been kind of left to do their own thing. I think the problems with Fidel and Nest are much more of a culture and management issue, and um, it was just time for someone to leave there. The only one that I think that there might actually hold some water here for this argument is Ermson leaving. and Really, that's because you look at the idea of giving these departments more autonomy, and then them bringing in an executive uh, you know, from the auto industry. And, and that possibly being disruptive in what that division wants to accomplish. Um, I, I've seen some reports that Ermsen was not particularly thrilled with the direction uh, that they were going with things and that he had let that be known to Larry Page. And so uh, that, that might have bubbled up there and that might have been causing the issue. But I think, broad stroke, um, it is not a problem of the, uh, the holding company structure. I, I think it's more of kind of individual issues with each executive.
1: Yeah, I think so, and, uh, you know, with, with Bill Harris, it was a very independently operated uh, segment, and he, he said that when he was leaving, um, and he did mention some other reasons for leaving, uh, you know, noting even just to spend more time with his family, saying he didn't plan on staying there for eight years in the first place, um, so, you know, sometimes it's interesting to read into these things, but at the end of the day, we, we really never
0: know. So... We talked about the impact that these segments have on Alphabet's overall numbers. Pretty small. I think it's worth talking about what actually happened in the most recent quarter with Alphabet, and really specifically, the Google and internet properties segment. Just kind of do a rundown there, um, since we you know, underscored that that's really where the money's being made and that's where investors should focus.
1: Yeah, so, uh, most recent quarter, uh, they reported on July 28th. So- not not too far away. Um, revenue for Alphabet was up 21%, 25% in constant currency. Uh, obviously, Alphabet was the main driver here uh, in, in the company's business. I'd already mentioned that uh, Alphabet's other bet segment actually uh, reported a operating loss of nearly $900 million, uh, so approaching $1 billion there. Um, and it's interesting just to highlight that The investors really liked the report. Um, Alphabet's core business pleased investors, uh, which is advertising, Um, and you know the stock stock is up. uh, It's about up six percent since they reported results, and up twenty four percent in the past year. Uh, So the stock is doing really well. Um, The stock is trading at a PE of thirty now, which which is uh, you know pretty pretty pricey. I don't know what do you what do you think about that. Dylan, what do you think about investors as far as uh, you know how they should approach uh, thinking about selling uh, the stock or or holding it uh, as the stock trades higher?
0: Yeah, that's always tempting, right? Once a company starts to hit kind of a frothy valuation, I'll say though, you know, you look at the double digit growth that they're posting in, you know, it's constant currency. Is how it's how it's stated? But um, in what is kind of a legacy business for them, right? I mean, they've been running this ad business forever, and that's impressive. You know, there's still a pretty big runway there, and I know my thesis for a long time with Alphabet has been, okay, the ad side of the business is just going to print money and fund pretty much everything they want to do. One of the other bets at some point is going to take off, become material to the business, and be a driver of top line and hopefully bottom line growth. And um, you know, I, I kind of think about their other bet segment the way that people invest in venture capital where you take a lot of small um, kind of calculated risks and the idea being one of them will really explode so that that's kind of in my thesis with them i don't have any intentions of selling anytime soon um, I, I think that it's worth paying a premium for a company that has a very solid business they are a staple of most people's lives and they have a great product and there are plenty of different growth avenues available to them
1: yeah, and it also highlights kind of a general idea of you know how should investors think about selling stocks uh, when they have a good business in their portfolio that's performing well, but you know the valuation might get a little bit uh, pricey. And generally, I think you know it's it's my philosophy, and I think it's kind of something we think here. at The full is uh, as long as the the business in your portfolio is doing well. Um, you know, I like to just hold on to that. That company keep it in my portfolio and give it room to run. Uh, like you said, there's these other bets that could pay off, and the reason you have confidence that they could pay off is because of Google's execution in the past. And you know, I think that that uh, I, I'd like to hold on to this company if I did own it. Um, I, I don't it, but you know, I I made a, a caps pick on it, a full caps pick on it a while back, um, and you know, I I've never thought about ending that pick just because. Uh, the valuation is higher. Uh,
0: it's a great company, performing well. I definitely want to hold on to it. So broadly thinking about Google here, and um, you know, incorporating some of these departures in in our line of thinking a little bit, uh, I know my feeling at least is I'm not super worried with Maris heading out. You know that that seemed like there was a natural transition that was going to happen at some point, and that he had a kind of a set time frame on how long he wanted to be working at Google Ventures. Ermsen. Um, is kind of curious to me, and I want to see what happens with the self-driving car project moving forward. That's the one that I'm going to check in the most on and mm-hmm. want to be updated on. Um, as for Fidel, I, I think it might actually be a good thing that that he's no longer uh, running the show there just because um, it was kind of such a dysfunctional environment for such a long time that um, with that out of the way, They might be able to focus a little bit more on business outcomes and kind of have a more unified group there, uh, working on the Nest product. So, um, you know, like we said, not huge, huge um, contributors to what's going on in terms of Alphabet's financials yet, but definitely something worth watching. And and I think that's kind of how investors have to think about it.
1: Yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, Anything else before I let you go, Daniel? Um, I think that. uh... It's, it's worth highlighting uh, one other aspect in Google's most recent quarter was just that uh, You know, mobile was the driver but uh, Google did bring up the fact that uh, desktop still matters. Um, so I, I think that this is an interesting narrative. Uh, we see Facebook recently uh, bringing this narrative back in saying, hey, yeah, 84% of our revenue comes from mobile but uh, let's make sure we're still supporting our desktop business. And they're saying, hey, let's uh, bring in some ad blocking. Make ad blocking more difficult. Um, so that's another area that I just like to remind investors that, hey, keep checking in on the desktop side of Alphabet's business as well, uh, because they need to make sure and balance these areas uh, really well, especially as mobile, the catalyst of mobile begins to decelerate, and desktop um, you know, begins to moderate as a portion of revenue.
0: Yeah, we did a show on ad blocking and its impact on Google's uh, internet segment. I want to say about a year ago, um, but we might be due for an update on that. So um, the the landscape has changed a little bit. Um, some mobile browsers have allowed ad blockers, and so I think that that is um, probably worth checking in on. So that might be an episode to watch out for in the future, listeners. Uh, well, folks, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or just want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at fool.com. You can always tweet us at MFIndustryFocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out The Fool's family of shows at fool.com. podcasts As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Daniel Sparks, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on.